0: Welcome to everyone listening in to From Our Vantage Point, Vantage Point's podcast recorded on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil Tooth First Nations, where we talk all things nonprofit related. I'm Rochelle Smalden, the operations manager at Vantage Point, and today's From Our Vantage Point host. Our episode today is on the value of coaching for nonprofits, and we're joined by Dr. Dalbar Nurushak and Hassan Pardawala two experienced coaches who believe in the power and the art of coaching as a practice that can elevate nonprofit leaders and the culture of their organizations. Please join us in welcoming Hassan and Delbar to From Our Vantage Point. Hi, everyone, and welcome to From Our Vantage Point. I'm glad to join you here today with our guests, Hassan Pardwala and Delbar Nurushek. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here with all of you today to talk about uh, one of a uh, topic that we're all interested in and have some experience with, and glad to share with our nonprofit audience about how it might benefit them. So, I'd like to get us started by asking each of you to just tell us a little bit about yourselves for our listeners and how you came to be involved in the profession of coaching. Delbar, would you like to
1: start? Sure. Thank you, and hi to everyone. Thank you for this opportunity so we can exchange knowledge. My name is Delban Yushak. Um, I have my PhD in clinical psychology and I'm also an HR profession. I've been doing coaching for the past uh, 20 years and I'm also an MCC ICF approved coach. I also do agile coaching and agile enterprise. Um, there's a definition of agile change and agile transformation, which it's been added in coaching. So I have done that for the past 10 years and I also train people to enable them to leverage the skills needed, of course, with coaching approach. Thank you.
0: Great. Thank you. Hassan, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you. Uh, My name is Hassan Pradovala. I am a leadership coach for focusing on BIPOC individuals, uh, mainly in the startup community and for-profit, non-for-profit. I don't have an extensive background as Dr. Del Bar in coaching. However, I came through a different way, which is mainly through a lot of self-learning, but also living lived experience. This lived experience came in through different job roles in HR and supply chain operations and marketing. And throughout my career, I realized that I was always mentoring and helping people grow their skills, helping them unlock their potential. And this has kind of let me down. More on the leadership coaching aspect, which has started roughly two to three years ago. So I don't have the certifications, but my experience in coaching comes from lived experience and kind of focusing on now getting my certifications up and running and also establishing myself within the Vancouver ecosystem.
0: A natural progression based on your skills and personality, I'm sure. Great. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you both with us today and to talk about this topic that we've all got some passion for. And I think is something that really can help nonprofit organizations in their leadership and how they work with their teams. And so I'm glad for us to talk a little bit more today about how we can use coaching and how we could benefit from working with coaches. We've all heard of coaches, and many of us have probably had them before. Um, in some form, we may have had a basketball coach or an acting coach or a different kind of person working with us to help us grow in a certain way and move forward. But from each of your perspectives and the coaching that you practice, how would you describe the profession of coaching that you do? How would you describe it to somebody maybe who doesn't have a lot of knowledge about it?
1: I can go first. Sure. Well, my expertise is on leadership coaching and business development. And sometimes people ask, what's the difference between coaching in general? And advising, mentoring, as Hassan was mentioning about his experience. So the advantage, based on my experience, the advantage of coaching is all about empowering and acknowledging strength without even advising and giving suggestions to the person. It's all about enabling. So we as coaches, professional coaches, we say coaching is a thought-provoking process. It's for the person to acknowledge what needs to be done differently and for us to hold them accountable. Uh, this is my experience with coaching, that it's very much empowering.
2: Thank you. That's great. I want to echo on Dr. Delbar's comments. I agree with her. It's on the empowerment of the person. And when I went into coaching, it was always understanding the difference between coaching, advising, and a mentor. So mm-hmm. we when you do join any company, non-for-profit or for profit, you have these distinct three buckets as a mentor that's someone who is always looking out for you, trying to help you showcase yourself to other people and it's more of they pull you into it. An advisor is an actor position that has experience in a certain job role. So to find solutions to talk about potential ways to improve in the business process or getting something done goes to an advisor. When it comes to a coach, that's someone who holds you accountable is a person who puts a mirror in front of you and helps you understand like what you really want. And they go through a lot of self-reflection with you as well. So as a coaching aspect, it's not that they will give you an answer. And it's a lot of times is they will help you unlock your potential. And this is when you go for a swimming coach, for a golfing coach. All these people will sometimes not be the best person within their area, but they help other players unlock their potential to achieve greatness. So when you go to executive coaching, leadership coaching, which I'm more focused on, that's what we're doing is how do you make a leader better? Because sometimes leaders need the additional support, and oftentimes when you are a senior leader, the common phrase is, loan me at the top. So a coach kind of helps them go through their own challenges without them having to go through imposter syndrome with their team or within, within their peers as well.
1: Thank you. Can I also add something else, which is very necessary? People sometimes confuse that, again, between the definitions, mentoring, uh, coaching, and advising. The other advantage, which is sometimes unbelievable for some people when they hire a coach, is that for you to be a coach, you don't need to be the expert of the field. You're going to help the experts to do whatever they're doing in a way to achieve their goals or if it's necessary for them to solve problems. So that's why maybe the other difference between, you know, sometimes we have, as you said, you know, the acting coach or swimming coach or, you know, basketball coach. With those coaches, it's a different definition. But when it comes to an organizational approach, it's going to be their private or public non for profit It's for us coaches to be able to help the person, especially the leaders, the decision makers, or even the staff, the team leaders, For them to understand what decisions they need to make in order to achieve their goal in a timely manner without even being the expert of the field. That's why a coach can be identified as a person who can help leaders in different industries and at the same time be impactful.
2: Thank you. I do want to give an example on that. There was a coach, um, if I remember correctly, called Bill Campbell. He coached a lot of tech entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. He didn't make his own startup. He didn't have a lot of technical experience. All he did was coach football teams when he was younger and had moved into the tech space. But then he became a leadership executive coach to a lot of CEOs in Silicon Valley. And there's a book written by him by Google founders called The Trillion Dollar Coach. And that kind of explains that you don't need to be an expert in the tech world to coach tech CEOs. And that's what Dr. Delbar said. It's more of helping people unlock the potential. And you don't have to be the best in that area. So you don't have to be really awesome at non-for-profit to be a really good coach for -for non-for-profit executives.
0: Thank you. It's interesting to talk about just some of the ways that coaching is like other things that we've experienced, but maybe different as well. Why do you personally believe in a coach approach? And maybe what can you share about like what coaching looks like? What are some of the foundational aspects that make it really powerful for somebody involved in that experience?
2: I have got coached several times the last five years. During my coaching aspects, um, before I went to go find a coach, I was going through a lot of challenges. There was a lot of personal challenges happening, a lot of work challenges, a lot of health challenges. And for me, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know what was going on. And then it comes back to like, what is my mental block that has happened to me? So when I'm into coaching, it was first I realized that I wanted to be coached rather than telling, having someone tell me what should I do. So finding a coach was challenging. But then when I did find the right coach, was always a discussion: is do you have an answer? And the reply back was like, no, there is no answer. It's let me know what do you think is going to happen. What's What's your self-reflection internally? And that was always different from advisors and mentors told me, like, go down this avenue or let's go do this, try this out. But from the coaching aspect, it just became down. It was, I always felt accountable on what I need to prepare for each session. It was my accountability that knowing for example, the coaches is going to ask me, what did I do on my self-reflection? Was I doing it? Was I being honest with myself as someone who is supposed to unlock my potential? And throughout my sessions, I've had three coaches in the last five to six years, um, because not every coach can be with you for a long period of time. Some coaches come in at certain periods of your career, of your life, help you through certain stages. And then as any relationship, you find another coach to help you through. My coaches kind of led me through getting my visions more sorted out, helping me define my values to make sure like anyone I talk to is always the same message going across. Helping me figure out like, hey, if this is what you want to do, what avenues you have to go through, what are my skill sets? So they help me come up with the words that I use to help define what I want, help me tell people what I am going to do. Because a lot of times I realize it's always the lingo that we use within communities, within ecosystems. But if you don't know the lingo internally, It's really hard to get that message across. That's what coaching did. It helped me define my message. It helped me understand what I wanted to do and helped me accountable and achieve my goals.
0: So kind of setting that vision and then what steps do you need to be able to get there?
2: Yeah. And the self-reflection part, right? Understanding and helping me really know what my strengths are and what my weaknesses or my challenges are in getting better.
0: So how about you? What has made coaching a powerful structure or a powerful approach?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I totally agree with Hassan. It's all about self-reflection and self-awareness. I think um, what coaching has added into a behavior concept of change and development, it's the growth mindset. It's cultivating and promoting growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Usually we think we're stuck. But the thing is, we think we're stuck, but not in reality, we're stuck. And what does that mean? We have some potential skills that it needs to be unleashed. And coaching approach is one of those approaches that, again, helps, supports, enables the individual to come up with their own definition of what is achieving a goal. It's not my definition versus yours. And with that being said, um, it's all about productivity. You know, I, as an individual, as a coach, you know, being an MCC, that means I have coached more than two, 3000 hours. This is the definition of ICF, International Coaching Federation, the global body that qualifies coaches to be eligible enough to do coaching individually, one to one team coaching, also organizational coaching. And I still believe there are areas that I need to be coached why because it's all about personal and professional development journey with coaching it never ends but it will give alternative options and opportunities to begin in a different path you know it's all about discovery the the best thing that i love about coaching which i'm so passionate about it's all about self-discovery every time even i coach a person i discover new things about myself it could be anything as hassan said it could be challenges It could be my strength, opportunities, thread, anything. It's all about aligning yourself with your value system. That's why um, when you go to the depth of coaching, it's very much empowering. And I always say, we as coaches, we start with self-coaching. And what does that mean? Because I also train individuals and candidates to become qualified coaches. The first thing that we go through is what is self-coaching? For us, we need to experience what is change and development in order to create that path for others. So it needs to be meaningful for us in order to create that meaningful experience for others. And at the end of the day, it's all about acknowledging hope. Like post pandemic, what happened even during the pandemic, people got hopeless. Like what's going to happen next? It was all about uncertainty and ambiguity. And at the end of the day, people thought they have done their best, but nothing has happened as as far as they were concerned they were hoping to achieve something but it, it was not there so coaching approach identifies what is hope for you and it will recognize the potential areas that you need to be adaptable enough in order to create that environment that it will be sustainable for you at the same time so i think of it as a very empowering approach
0: Thank you, and knowing that many of the people listening today are involved with or leading nonprofit organizations in Canada, in British Columbia, where do you see opportunity for coaching to show up in nonprofits in the work that these people do and in the communities that they
1: work with so uh, to begin with non for profits in general, they have some challenges, like every other organization that's very common like. One of the common ones you know stable income or the fundraising piece to begin with, you know, and attracting qualified staff and not be able to deliver in some cases clear mission and clear purpose, and sometimes not being aligned with the with the social demand, understanding what's needed so for us as not for profits to bring that impact and create best experiences, processing procedures you know. Team cohesiveness, you know, team performance, everything. I look at non for profit as an organization. Why I'm emphasizing and repeating myself, it's because that I've been teaching and training with some non for profits and they say, oh, Dr. Delva, whatever you're saying, I'm talking about, for example, workplace, is that suitable and affordable for non for profits? And when I ask them, what do you mean by that? It's like, oh, what you're saying, it's only for private sector, not for us. And I challenge them that what is the thought behind this approach that you have? And they come up with this understanding or this definition that our work is important, but not complex as it is in private sector, which I always respond to them that based on my experience, what you guys are doing, it's much more not important, but different and very much impactful in a different definition. and. As long as you need to know what needs to be done differently to have a work culture, it's the same thing for privates. So it's for you to take yourself seriously so we can take you seriously as donors, staff, volunteers, or whomever on in relation with you. So I see one of the challenges is communicating their values and delivering that and messaging that to their audience. And how coaching can be a resource to such not-for-profits as an organization, brings change and development relevant to their purpose. It's very important. It's not a fixed idea to implement like a clothes that you buy. It needs to be tailored. And that's the advantage. That's how coaching is flexible. And one other thing that I would add on, it's all about clarity. Coaching is all about clarity. For you to understand as a not-for-profit, what are your key objectives? What are your key results? And in what time frame you need to achieve those goals? If we're going to talk about team coaching, because we have different approaches, of course, with coaching, one-to-one coaching, team coaching, organizational coaching, the advantage of coaching in team performance or improving the performance is for them to understand and also acknowledge the threats. And what I mean by that, uh, the challenges, as Hassan mentioned, the weaknesses. What is it they need to do differently? And what are the root causes? It's called um, behavior indicators to measure change and success. This is an approach that usually coaches should have in order to measure. Because at the end of the day, the organization, profit, non for profit they're going to ask for results to measure. And this is, again, another added value that coaching brings to such organizations, especially non for profits it's a value-driven resource, I would say, and it will cultivate shared leadership. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
2: I would have to agree with a lot of points with Dr. Delbar. When you do look at non-for-profits and for profits organizations, yes, one is making money. The other one is more social impact, social justice. So like, hey, We don't want to make profit. We want to break even. And either or when you look at fundraising, That's the same thing as generating top-line revenue, getting investments. The one key aspect that Dr. Delbar mentioned is they're both organizations. And when you go to organizations, every organization is successful if there's a culture being developed. And even with, I think it was Paul Drucker. um, I think it was Paul Drucker. You might have to correct me. But he mentioned, right, is culture is strategy for breakfast. Or strategy is business, right? For breakfast so there's a term in the for-profit world that if you're having a strategy it's important more than a business plan culture is more important than a strategic plan and culture gets developed through awareness of your vision your mission your values oftentimes when not for profit get established they have the vision mission and values but then over time you lose sight because the people coming in are so kind of blinded with blinders that they're going forward, so they know they're doing something good, but then they don't understand they need to keep developing. And now, since generations are changing, we've gone through a lot of changes in technology, a lot of changes in the way we live, and even the amount of people coming in that coaching helps you become more flexible, helps you understand like, hey, what are my shortcomings, what are my strengths, and when you get for non for profit. And I'm talking this by doing a couple of sessions with non-for-profits on strategic planning, um, being on a board for another non-for-profit, working with my alumni association. So I volunteer with non-for-profits on boards and I look at what they're doing. And it's always a question like, what do you want to do different? And how do you have the executive director start expanding, being more comfortable, dealing with ambiguity, right? So when I look at a non-for-profit, Dealing with ambiguity, developing the core team, knowing fully well, like, hey, we don't have enough money to pay you $150,000 a year, $200,000 a year, but we're going to give you a better place to work. We're going to give them more social impact. And having a coach talk to people like that understands the growth mindset. Like, what else do you do in growing yourself apart from just going chasing a higher salary? So for me, coaching comes in a point is more job fulfillment, understanding, hey, is this the best thing I can do for this organization? Are there skills I can keep developing to help the non-for-profit to grow even further? Because sometimes people come in as a marketing role and then just find out like, hey, I am better at fundraising. Can I take that chance out? But like, what skills do I need? How do I get that done? And oftentimes going to your manager is not sufficient. Because a manager sometimes ends up being an advisor. This is what you should do. This is what needs to get done. As a coach, it's more like, why do you feel like you'd be good at this? Have you done this before? Like what makes you think that you can be talking to different people? Right? Like, have you any examples? Like what would different scenarios look like in your mind? Like who is a person that you've been looking at and what the skills that you think you have? So it's asking the certain questions that kind of help them really understand, is this something that I want or is this an external force driven upon me? So more for nonprofits because the budget is tighter. They sometimes need more help, especially when it comes to developing a culture internally, having leadership coaching, doing marketing and sales coaching, but also just more fulfillment. And that's one key thing in coaching is help people understand why they're doing something as well.
0: Exactly. I was laughing just because you used that quote, culture eat strategy for breakfast. And one of our team members at Vantage Point has used that a couple of times, and it's kind of been one that our team refers to as well. So just really resonated in the moment today as being important for this, too. We often think of in organizations as kind of operations as the day to day way we get things done, how we do things and the strategy being kind of the overall plan and the goals that we're striving for and how we go about that and I really like the idea of coaching being kind of what supports all of that as the values and the who we are and the what we believe in that really draws us to the core of why we're doing what we're doing and brings us back to the why of all of it.
2: I, I do want to add something else in right. Um, coming from for the profit side right there are plenty of different places like this YPO which is Young Presidents Organization. There's something called tech, the executive committee. Then there is McKay coaching, right? So these are senior level coaching organizations that coach CEOs in group settings, one-on-one and also team coaching. They charge a hefty price tag for CEOs from small businesses to large businesses to come in and sit with other CEOs. So one other thing that As an executive director or a managing director for a non-for-profit, it's always nice to have that opportunity to do group coaching or one-on-one coaching because it's lonely at the top, either way you look at it. But for a leader to be more successful, especially now with certain restrictions coming in, with budgetary concerns, with funds drying up from the government, they need to really understand what are the next stages. How can they expand and like how can they start communicating with different organizations and different people which they won't usually talk to? And oftentimes coaching helps you be more comfortable with ambiguity. Helps you lower down your shield so you're more vulnerable with people, especially in a group setting, that helps you understand like what are solutions I could implement. And also make new friends in different organizations that come up with different solutions. Because a lot of time solutions don't come from the same organization. It comes from maybe a different industry. plenty of times you will use something else to make something new.
0: At Vantage Point, we host several different peer networks, and I can see how that might apply in those kind of engagement opportunities where people are coming together from different organizations to learn and um, benefit from each other's experience and how a coach approach might make that even more beneficial.
1: Can I add something else? For, mm-hmm. Since we're talking about how coaching can benefit not-for-profits is that as we, Hassan and I, we refer to not-for-profit as an organization. So it's a workplace. It should have a culture. And these days, everyone is trying to have a coaching culture because it's it will cultivate motivation and engagement automatically. So people are self-organized, not necessarily having a leader on top of everything to check, you know, how are things are going. The other advantage is that um, coaching is training employees to become passionate employees. These days, that's a new definition, you know, from HR perspective, I'm sharing that because it's all about workforce planning. It's all about activating that creative mindset. So even my staff will come up with good ideas based on the vision mission that I as a not for profit have, and not necessarily to put all the responsibilities on board. That's why we talk about shared leadership. That's why in coaching we talk about shared value system. So everyone has a role, everyone has a piece, everyone has a share in success of any organization, private, public. It doesn't make any difference. And one last thing that I believe is very crucial, especially for non-for-profits, it's cost management or cost reduction, which in team coaching we can help organizations, especially non-for-profits, any organization, but since we're the topic is non-for-profit, to manage cost and waste energy. Because they can identify, oh, what energy we're wasting that we're not aware of and how that is affecting the budget, the overall budget. Because as Hassan said, for non-for-profits, of course everything is limited because they're not going to make money, they're not private you know, places. So they would come up with business ideas, but there's so many different alternative ideas that they can maintain the growth, at least the growth margin, and that again is the added value of coaching for non-profits. Thank you. Thank okay. you. From
0: our vantage point is brought to you by Humanity Financial Management, a chartered professional accounting firm. Dedicated to supporting Canadian nation builders and movement makers in social sector organizations, social purpose businesses, and Indigenous communities and organizations. The humanitarians on our team work with our client partners to shift the balance of power through finance in advance of our shared goals to transform this land into the most environmentally, socially, and economically equitable place on Earth. Visit Humanity Financial Management online at humanityfinancial.ca. So if somebody were looking to get involved in coaching and wanting to engage in this process, what would you recommend for them when they're looking for a coach? What makes a good coach? How could they find one?
2: Um, Dr. Daval, you want to go first or should I tag up this one? No, please do. Okay, so it's like dating. It's going to you're going to have to go and ask your friends, right? Like, hey, you'll be amazed by just asking at least ten people that you know. Have you been coached? And out of ten, one was like, "Yeah, I've had a coach." And like then you go, "Like, how do you find the coach?" It's like, "Well, I found the coach because I had a friend who became a coach, or I was going somewhere, and this company had this coaching services that I joined on, right?" So. As in dating, as in anything, right? Is to go actively understand that you want to be coached and you're going to put yourself in a place that you're going to be wonderful That's the first and foremost thing. If you say, I want to get coached because I need someone to tell me what to do. For me, that becomes the wrong mindset. It's like, if you're going to go, it's that like you want to grow yourself. You want to challenge yourself. So you have to be honest on what you're looking for. And then finding a coach is challenging because. There's a lot of factors, right? It could be because of lived experience. It could be because of the person's skin color. It could be the person's race, the person's socioeconomic background, right? So it's all these factors that people have to put in place because when you go find a coach, there are a lot of people doing coaching, right? Even for me, when someone comes to me saying like, you're a leadership coach? Yes. Fine, do you have any certifications? They're like, no. So, like, what makes you a coach? So when it comes to coaching, it's clearly to understand what, do you want from a coach? Why are you searching for coaching in the first place? And just do a quick self-inventory and then start asking people, do they know any coaches? And set up interviews. A lot of coaches will happily sit down for the first half an hour to fifty minutes to have a small discussion to see if there's a fit. Any good coach will not tell you, hey, the first hour, you're going to pay me 300 bucks. And then we start a coaching session. The first meeting is always like, I want to see if you're going to be coachable and also see if there's going to be good repertoire between us. Mm -hmm. When I choose one of my coaches, I went through five different interviews for five different coaches to see which one would be the best fit for me based on what I was kind of trying to achieve in my life. So for me, it's always like, make sure you understand what you're looking for, ask around, do a self-inventory check, and then have interviews, sit down. Like even with the first time I chat with Dr. Delbar, I was like, can I have a quick conversation, have it open floor and then to see if there is a natural discussion possible. Is this someone that I'm more comfortable opening up? Is this someone who's going to really hold me accountable as well? So I would always use these couple of things first.
0: Thank you. Delbar, I'm interested in your recommendations as well, but I just wanted to ask, you mentioned that it's also about discovering whether the person you're working with is coachable. What do you mean by that? Can you tell us what you look for in someone who is coachable or not?
2: So when I was doing my MBA, right, we had a lot of executives. And I mean executives, everyone who had been working 15, 20 years. And we had these people come up saying like, hey, we want coaching. There was one guy in front who goes like, I don't need a coach. I know what I'm doing. That's why I'm here. And then the coach goes like, why do you think you don't need a coach? Because like, well, I've done this. I did this. I'm pretty sure what's happening. That becomes a person is, then you don't want to be coached, right? You don't understand that everyone needs a constant development. So when we go and you start hearing people like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need. I know for a fact. Then we're really concerned that this is not a coaching person. That we are going to waste more time and effort where the results might not pop up. If the person's not willing to change, but already has a fixed mindset on what they need or they want to do, are they willing to go and discover themselves? That's what becomes the coachable aspect, right? And I'm going to use this period on basketball and football because I do watch a lot. There's plenty of good players that come in to professional organizations and teams thinking they're the best. Then after two to three years, you'll see they slowly disappear Because when coaches tell them it's about teamwork, right? you got to do pivot here, like set a screen there. For them, it's like, no, just give me the ball, I'll do it. And that's when they slowly start breaking down, and then they can't survive in that team organization. And then they have to go back, even with all the skills they got. So that's what I mean, being coachable and not being coachable. So that's always a key thing.
0: Are you open to it? And are you? do you have that kind of starting growth mindset to be able to grow even more?
2: Yeah, the starting growth mindset. And that's what Dr. Delbar said. If you don't have the growth mindset, mm-hmm. it's coaching for you then.
1: Delvar, what would you add to that? Um, I was actually thinking while Hassan was talking about it. I will add to that and also, you know, if there is any other eligibilities that, you know, our individuals would want to look for as to find the right coach. I have a different understanding when it comes to coachable. I get Hassan's approach that If the person has the growth mindset, but sometimes the person doesn't know that if they even have that growth mindset, it's for me, the coach to challenge that mindset, whatever they have and to acknowledge and value and respect whatever they have. If there's going to be a perception, a tool, a resource, or even an idea. And on top of it, to we have this thing called development feedback. Because uh, in coaching, we have coaching tool, we have coaching process, we have coaching discipline, we have coaching manifestos. These are the specific expressions we use as a tool within the bigger you know, idea of coaching. So it's for us to use the techniques that will enable the person to acknowledge what needs to know more or differently or even in what ways what they're thinking can make them coachable. Because some people still, to be honest, Rachel, some people still don't know what is the definition of coaching. They assume they know what coaching is. And I had that experience somehow similar to Hassan's experience, what, you know, was talking about his MBA story that um, you get invited to stakeholder meeting and they say, Oh, could you please, Dr. Deva, present like coaching and people start saying, Oh, I know what coaching is. Let me tell you what coaching is and what coaching is not. So of course, I need to be there. Again, those are the definition of the coaches, like active listening, intentional listening, you know, be patient. One of the criteria that ICF very much emphasizes the patience in the coach to let the person to experience what they're experiencing and sharing their experience. So you would be able to understand in what ways you can create values or to be that added value in their scenario that they're picturing. And I would say it's for us, to deliver coaching as a, not necessarily as a tool, but as a solution, as a process. And then they would decide to either say, oh, no, thank you. This is a process. Okay, we don't want that. So they decide not to go with coaching. Because I hear some other people saying coachable means if the person is difficult to coach, which of course, Hassan's perspective was not that. Some people have that definition that if the person is difficult to coach, so that person is not coachable. And I give them feedback then, where is your knowledge as a coach? Then where is your expertise? Then where is your qualification? So if you cannot coach a difficult person, what are you good at then? You know, coaching is not going to be an easy process, but it's going to be a very facilitating and growth process. So that's why I would say some people prefer, you know, with coaching, we have mentor coaching. Some people would prefer, you know, to complete my sentence, mentor coaching. Some people uh, articulate and they exactly say, can I have mentor sessions? They come to me and say, oh, we know that you're an HR expert. Can we have your expertise on HR profession and help us to do this and that? Again, I bring my coaching approach without even not necessarily articulating or announcing it because honestly, at the end of the day, it's coaching approach, not necessarily saying, okay, now in the name of God, I'm starting coaching. No, you are coaching. It's a lifestyle. When you get tuned with it, it's a conversational approach that you have that without even knowing it, you're doing it every single time. You know, we have codes of conducts. We have codes of ethics. It's for us to be dedicated to those codes of conducts and codes of ethics. That's how we're promoting coaching style. So this is for the coachable piece, which um, I always say, as Hasan mentioned, you have the right to make a decision because it's your agenda versus ours. I'm not going to tell you what to do because I'm the expert. That's even the wrong, the worst approach, even for consultants. You know, that sitting as, you know, very eager in your mind, but then I would say ego centered, not necessarily eager. And uh, nobody likes that. Nobody appreciates that. But who is the right coach, as you mentioned, from what Hassan shared? I just want to add maybe a few other criterias is if you're searching for a coach, it's very much important for you to know, as Hassan mentioned, that what is it you want to achieve? Because that coach, the experience of that coach needs to be relevant to your topic. If you're looking for a life coach, so you should be searching for a life coach. If your purpose is goal setting, maybe performance coaching, or if you're a corporate or, you know, organizational approach, either for-profit or not-for-profit, so probably you're looking for leadership coach or organizational coach. So it's very important. Even sometimes qualification is very essential in the eyes of the organizations, recently I've noticed, and it's not sad, but it's challenging. People, when I talk about it, say, oh, I'm PhD in psychology. They say, oh, okay, good for you. What, what have you done in coaching? And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. That was a difficult approach for me to get my PhD. But I realized for them, it's the skill set that they're looking. And they really want to have that you know lived experience in action. And also the qualification, I think it's the piece that reinforces that experience. You know, uh, we have very good coaches, as Hessen said. They don't have any certifications whatsoever, but they're very good on what they're doing. But the qualification is the added, you know, the trusting piece, because even the organization wants to know, okay, if I want to choose between this and that, who should be the best option and why? Because even the organization needs to measure the ROI. They're investing, even not like money wise, but even timely. So they need to be able to measure their ROI. And of course, that organizational, but even for individuals, qualification, sometimes it's important if it's relevant. And um, we don't have something such people call like general coaching. That's not even the right approach to coaching. It should have a specific approach. Otherwise, you spend your time and money without even getting to the goal. So I I love how Hassan said it's like dating. I do totally believe. It's sometimes even maybe much more challenging than dating, at least, you know, because those are maybe more intangible, but when you want to decide a coach to be your coach, you need to have two specifics in your mind, tangible and intangible indicators, intangible ones. If you feel you fit, you know, you're a good fit. Do you like the person you, you need to like your coach. You need to be able to feel open, as Hassan said. You know, the intimacy, that level of intimacy should be there. And you need to enjoy being with that person because that's going to be a weekly session. You don't want to be with someone that you can hardly bear to even listen or look at the person. And the tangible ones are, have you achieved your goal? What percentage have you achieved your goal? It's not all about feeling good and excited and fulfilled. That's a part of coaching. But then the question is that where can you see that excitement and how is that going to last? So the individual should look for tangible and also intangible indicators for them to write or continue um, the sessions they have already, you know, with the right coach. Thank
2: you. I do want to thank Dr. Delbar for clarifying my coachable comment. And I agree on that. And it's sort of the mindset, right? It's that coachable mindset is like, Coaching a difficult person, a lot of times we don't know why they're being difficult. Right. And that's the thing of the coach. But like that mindset is a key aspect. Going in with a proper mindset is number one. If the mindset is not there, then regardless, the good coach is going up against a brick wall. You have to be willing to do that change, have you willing to do that work. Sometimes people are just scared and they'll put up a wall because they've been bitten so many times that they don't want to do it. Right. So mm. totally, it's about having a mindset that you want to be coached. Thank you very much for clarifying that, right? I want to sound off and like coaching, yeah. you don't difficult. And other things, um, what we say, right? Like if you're a good coach and you are really comfortable, right? I've had people go like, hey, thank you for the three sessions. I don't want to be coached by you anymore. For me, it's like, it hurts that I'm losing someone, but yeah. then I'm also happy, like they've gone to their face now that they tell me no. They're like, it's okay. like That's acceptable because like we got to your point that now you know what you want. You want to find another coach. I want to fit you better. As a coach, for me, it's always going to be, did I help you improve somehow? If I didn't help you improve, then I kind of felt that I failed. And I won't hold against anyone who says, like I don't want to be coached by you anymore because I found a different coach. I found someone who's a better fit or I achieved some of the goals I wanted. So that's also the thing when you go find a coach is if a good coach will never say, well, you shouldn't leave me. A good coach will go like, yeah, that's great. Like, what did you learn? How can I improve myself? And then best of luck, and I'm my door's always open. So that's yeah. always a thing also looking at different coaches, right? Like, especially feedback from different people on how they felt when they left their coaches.
0: I sometimes hear people say that they know they've done their job well if they've worked themselves out of a job. So as a coach, if you've got the person to where they needed to go and they feel confident and empowered and ready to go on their way, not that they might never come back, but maybe you've done your job. And that's a great thing. Thank you both for your time today. And just as we're wrapping up our conversation, I wanted to just ask what you would leave our listeners with today. What would you tell somebody who might want to bring coaching experience into their work or their personal life. What would you tell them to do to start?
2: Well, I'll start first on this one. I would, if it's for the organization, if it's the director and he wants the coach for the team and they want to have like team coaching, is to have that open discussion first. Is to like have a like, it's called like a 360 feedback. Or like a round table, like, hey, do we need a coach? Like, what do you think everyone wants? Is this something that we want to invest our time and money in? Right? And then after that is what benefit do you want from the coach? Meaning what are the key objectives deliverables that when we do find a coach, what is what are we what do you want as an organization? What do you want individually? If it's individual is do you want one -one coaching or do you want a group session where you can learn from other people's experience? and also have the ability on -on one-on-one. So I would say have that kind of discussion before, right? And even depending on the non-for-profit organization, have the discussion with the board. Is that board supportive of this as well? Because then the board understands this could be another stone to evolve non-for-profit and have these discussions first, and then kind of build that into your strategic planning plan as well. Because that also helps with recruitment drive. Right, So coming in purely from my business viewpoint, if there is going to be coaching aspect, will this help for future recruitment? Is there something that will help the organization grow as a whole? And do people want it in the organization? So having those discussions first would be key. And then approaching people, approaching me, Dr. Delbar, getting views, you for my management itself.
1: I think what I would add on top of what Hassan um, kind of just mentioned and shared is that in either individual or organization, they need to be clear with their own needs and value proposition, I would say, that what is it they want to achieve. And sometimes if it's not even clear, which maybe that is the reason that they want to go approach a coaching approach, obviously, it's for them to important to have some common ground within internally, like I'm referring to organizational approach that they would know at least what is it they want to achieve or what is it they don't want to achieve. I always say coaching, we have something in coaching called coaching agreement. And what does that mean is that the first session, which is the intro session, either with an individual or an organization, we need to come up with a common understanding of what needs to be achieved or what needs to be solved in order to take the next step. Otherwise, we're wasting their time and also ours, and that's not efficient, and that's not even um, ethical, and that's not even authentic. So for that reason, I always say to corporates and even to individuals that you have the right to challenge your coach. It's okay. And what I mean by that, because coaching is all about stretching your comfort zone. It's all about understanding, whoa, what skills you can leverage and how confident you are and competent. At the same time that you can create best practices and best experiences. But sometimes people don't know that and they assume it's not even possible or if it's not even an option. So it's very important for them to ask questions as much as they can to come up to that agreement. Because when you come up to that agreement, that's where it sounds like you are a good fit. And most of the times, if you don't come up to agreement, either from the coach or the coaching, either organizational or individual, that's the time that it will be very challenging even to take the next step. Because honestly, at the end of the day, my experience and my understanding of coaching is that coaching is not just a tool. It's a solution. And what I mean by that, it's a process of creating alternative options. So an individual, the team, the organization would be aware of what alternative options, what other tools there might be there or resources. It's for them to be resourceful and feeling resourceful. And it's very impactful and empowering. So this is important to also, if they don't even have the mindset, it's okay to start with as long as they're willing to take this step to do something different. I think this is something that it's very crucial in coaching and uh, either individuals teams or organizations and one last thing I want to add from organizational point of view sometimes organizations would ask oh so now what's our approach to coaching should we hire a coach should we have a coaching training should we become a qualified coach you know these are mainly common questions that usually organizations ask and to give them the answer again there's always option Definitely, if they have some urgent issues that they want to solve or achieve, having an external coach will be an added value for people that who have been doing coaching or are qualified to do coaching. Internal coaching is where we teach and train corporates, again, organizations, private or public, to understand what is a coaching approach to their leadership approach. You know, it will be an added skill to their leadership skill, to their leadership development, that how coaching can improve, you know, performance and so on. And of course, with team coaching, again, it's a different scenario. It's a different story. With team coaching, again, they can be training and also hiring a coach to help and support them to create that team efficiency in a timely manner. I just wanted to add, you know, different options that organizations can have in order to um, accomplish their goals. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Well, I just wanna thank you both for your time today and for um, sharing a bit about your experience, your belief and your knowledge about the power of coaching and how it might benefit the organizations that our listeners are working with. Anything you'd like to add before we close off today?
2: It was wonderful. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to have this discussion. It was definitely fun. Um, again, I I write down a couple of things that Dr. Delbar mentioned out so I can use those same words again, right? And another thing is like every single time you have new conversations, you discover something new. So that's the one thing about coaching, right? That you constantly understanding. Like I learned something today, which I didn't know about. And it gave me words that I can help explain to other people. Yeah, that was one thing. So thank you. That's the reason why I joined Vantage Point to volunteer and to help people develop themselves and grow.
0: Thank you. Thank you both. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. And we will see you next time. Great. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode on the value of coaching. And thank you to our guests for joining us. We believe in the power of coaching and we strive to empower our own teams, clients and networks with a coach approach. We also partner with Essential Impact to offer our Intro to Coaching workshop each year. This workshop is a great place to begin your own journey with coaching and learn some fundamental skills that can help you be a stronger leader for more engaged and empowered teams. Become a member of Vantage Point to receive workshop discounts and find all of our upcoming trainings on our events calendar at thevantagepoint.ca or email us at info at the to find out more.